0: Welcome to the Mark Podcast from LifeWay Women. I am your host, Elizabeth Hindman, and I'm here with a co-host, a very special co-host,
1: Elizabeth Woodson. And this month on Marked, we are doing a fun new mini-series all about LifeWay Women Academy.
0: Each episode of this series, we'll talk to a LifeWay Women Academy teacher about her journey into theological education and how studying theology has marked her in her walk with Christ. And if you're interested in joining LifeWay Women Academy, if you're interested in learning how to study the Bible and teach the Bible in a flexible, affordable format, you can go to LifeWay.com Academy and enter the promo code MARKED for $10 off the registration of your first LifeWay Women Academy course.
1: Now LifeWay Women Academy courses are online courses for women by women. So when you sign up for a course, you'll gain immediate and indefinite access to teaching sessions from some of today's top theologians, with deep dives into topics such as how to study the Bible for yourself, what we believe, and more. Plus, you can take these courses at your own pace and revisit the content whenever you'd like. Learn more and discover current course offerings today at lifeway.com backslash academy.
0: And welcome to the Marked Podcast. I am Elizabeth Hindman, and I'm here with my co-host for this Academy series, Elizabeth Woodson. We're the two Elizabeths, and we are so excited to be joined by Dee Dee Williams. Hello, Dee Dee. Hello. We're excited to have you on here, and you are this is your first time on the Mark Podcast, and so we yes, want to hear about you and who you are, your family, your ministry, what you what you do, all of those things. So tell us about okay. yourself. Okay, cool.
2: Well, um, I am from Arkansas, so I'm a Razorback fan, so (laughs) die hard, we pig suey. But we are currently serving at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, where we just moved in March from a church in uh, Baton Rouge to here, where my husband is on uh, staff and is the expository preaching uh, professor uh, here at the seminary and I am writing my dissertation, but, um, just to back up a little bit, we, um, we have three awesome kids most of the time, um, (laughs) especially when they're sleeping. And so we, I have a 15 year old, a, um, 11 year old and a 10 year old. Um, so we have three little children, three children, and, um, we are happy here in new Orleans. And so kind of my journey, um, Were you about to ask me my journey about getting here? Because I was about to. Yeah,
0: well, you can go ahead and say it and we'll just skip that question.
2: (laughs) I'm so excited about it. So um, so uh, one of the questions you have for me is tell us about us and your ministry and kind of like my journey to theological education kind of all go into one for me. I
0: love Um,
2: it. So, um, in high school, you know, everybody else in my family went to the University of Arkansas, and rightly so, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but I was the one weird one that went to Washtenaw Baptist University um, in Arkadelphia, Arkansas. And, um, and the reason being was I just started feeling this call on my life, and I didn't really know what that looked like, right? That was like 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I really didn't know <clears throat> what that looked like. You know, my big thing was I'm never going to be a pastor's wife, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like I was like, but I, so I didn't really know what all that was going to look like. Um, so I went to Washtenaw, and I had my first Bible class with Dr. Scott Duvall, and um, he is just a... Uh, just a neat man who mentors uh, men and women there to really pursue theological education, and um, it just lit a fire in me. And once again, I still didn't know um, what that looked like, right? And um, so, the very first—this is really going to date me—I was at the very first passion that we ever oh, had, and um, and so in college, and so I remember this spitfire lady walking out and just pre- just teaching and preaching the word and so I was like man that is just like she's a great teacher um and that lady was Beth Moore mm-hmm. and I thought wow like there's a calling there that I have never seen kind of carved out before um and all that to say like through my years in college I went to uh work as as a girls minister for a summer internship. And I began to teach Bible studies and I didn't really know what my gift was, but, um, I had parents come to me that just kind of said, your gift is teaching. Mm. You really, you really have this gift of teaching. So through all that process, God started showing me, you know, when people come around you and start telling you and affirming these things in you, you're like, well, maybe that is what my gift is. Um, So when I graduated college, I um, went to work for a church in Houston, Texas called Champion Forest Baptist Church, and I was a girls minister there for them for a couple of years and really began to teach the young girls there and disciple, and um, I just really started to want to know more because I kind of mm-hmm. felt ill-equipped, right? Like, if I, I'm a talker. And the Lord knew it. So he's like, your mouth needs to be redeemed. You need to know what you're talking about. Um, And I remember one time I had written, I was asked to write a Bible study for First Baptist Houston. And I came and I taught it to the ladies there. And I made some off the comment about like how we basically don't need the Old Testament. I mean, it wasn't that dramatic, but it was like a really almost like thing that I would just like, I would drop my jaw now hearing what I said. And I remember a lady looking at me in the in the crowd and like, this looked like, I do not agree with that. And it's the first time someone kind of looked at me with that kind of look. And I thought, maybe I don't know what I think I know. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to be teaching, this is a heavy responsibility. Um, And so I really need to know what I'm talking about. Um, I was too quick to make, to jump to conclusions and not long enough to stay and wrestle in the word of God with it. Um, so that's when I had a mentor, someone in my life, encourage me to go to seminary. And I was like, well, I, okay, you know, I'll pray about it. Well, <clears throat> so anyway, uh, that's when I decided to leave Houston and pursue theological education at New Orleans Seminary. Um, Katrina happened and things happened. So we, I ended up finishing at Southwest, at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary and where I met my husband there. And he was getting his MDiv and his PhD, finishing up there. And so, um, so as he was finishing up his PhD, we moved up to Wichita Falls, Texas, where he pastored his first little church up there. And once again, I was never going to be a pastor's wife, but guess what? I became. You know? <laughs> right. So, so anyway, so you know, I birthed his babies, and I, you know, supported him through the PhD program. And the day that he um, passed his um, his orals. Um, I remember getting texts that day, y'all. It was crazy from people I haven't heard from in years. Some people down here from New Orleans mm-hmm. Seminary. And they were saying, Dee you you know, it's your turn now. You need to come down here and you need to come, you know, do your PhD. Mm-hmm. Well, my husband, thank goodness for men like him. He has t- completely supported my call and our call together. And so he said, honey, I have been telling you this for years. This is your time to do this. Mm-hmm. And, um, God just worked, y'all, it was from the moment we decided that's what we were supposed to do. We were driving down to, uh, New Orleans to talk with, uh, Rhonda Kelly, who was at that time the president's wife here. And I had no idea that my husband had been in talks with this church. Um, and he kind of turned him down because the other thing I told God I would never do was move to Louisiana and so (laughs) back to Louisiana. (laughs) So so he like turned it down, you know, and so on our way down as we're going down to New Orleans Seminary, we get a call from that church Mm -hmm. and um, they ask him, has anything changed in your life that you would reconsider Mm -hmm. talking to us? And he goes, actually, we're on our way down here for my wife to maybe, you know, pursue her Ph.D., yeah, we'd be willing to stop and talk to you. So long story short, we we I entered the PhD program and my, my husband got a job at the church there in Baton Rouge, so I have been able to for the majority of my seminar work um kind of commute back and forth which is about a little over an hour, you know what I mean, and and do my work. And now God has brought us full circle, now we are here at the seminary. Um um both here and we're just just very happy, very excited to see what God is doing. So that's kind of been my theological education journey. And um, I just, I've had people along the way encourage, open up doors that I could have never opened up by the grace and hand of God. Um, and and I'm very, very grateful for, especially the men in my life that have encouraged me to pursue this journey.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love the ways in which God plants these seeds along the way. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I think about the moment where you were talking about, you know, making maybe it was just a, a short comment about maybe not the importance of the Old Testament <laughs> and how far yes. God has brought you. And really, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we we I think those they make the best illustrations. They yeah, do. <laughs> exactly <laughs> Look what God has done um, and just the ways in which he now has you in a space which you are deeply entrenched in the Old Testament to be able to show the beauty Mm -hmm. of the full text of Scripture. And so for the course that you taught um, for Lifeway Women Academy, you taught an Old Testament survey, and you Mm -hmm. covered quite a bit of territory, (laughs) (laughs) DD, You did the historical books. You did the minor prophets. And when I think about people, where they fall off in their Bible reading plan it tends to kind of be in this area of scripture.
0: If they make it through mm-hmm. Leviticus, right. then they're gonna be, then, <laughs> yes. retell and, like I think especially yeah. when you read when you get to like first and second chronicles yes. and then you're like, wait, mm-hmm. we've already I've heard this before.
1: Yeah.
2: So Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> so why why are they important
1: for, for for us to read and study? Like how do they contribute to our spiritual formation and understanding of God?
2: Well, first of all, kind of what we were talking about before the podcast, um, you were talking about your passion kind of for biblical theology and the big storyline of scripture. Um, You know, in this day and age, we can sometimes treat the Bible as an encyclopedia to just turn to for this certain topic and certain issue when that's maybe not what the book is primarily about and pointing towards. Therefore... We need to first understand the storyline of Scripture and understand the big picture of who God is. And that is only grasped through going through the whole of the Bible and the richness that you get and understanding this god that we love and we serve and who loves us so profoundly i mean it it really we miss so much by not going through the historical books and by not going through the minor prophets and you know my encouragement is just for people to endure those things and to keep learning like we we are in such a quick society that we can turn to uh, somebody's article And we we can make quick arguments off of somebody's article and have never opened the word ourselves Mm -hmm. to read it and to see it and that the goal of our instruction is love. And so, you know, it is understanding uh, like the historical books for me, just the transition from the judges to kingship. And understanding, you know, the same kind of pattern that was happening in Judges is kind of a similar pattern that's happening in Kings. Left to our own devices and to our own selves, we naturally choose sin. And um, we needed someone to rescue us. We needed a Savior. And how much I love how uh, the historical books, and especially like Samuel really talks about you know david as the ideal king although he did you know have his own sin but the idealness of his heart was the humility and the repentance and as humans we still fall but do we have that humility and repentance and i love how how the historical books really build upon what's based in deuteronomy that God is not acting erratically. Like he's not this bipolar God that somehow just got mad at these people and is just punishing them. No, he's acting faithfully to the word he gave us in Deuteronomy, which he clearly spelled out over and over again so that they would understand and know. It was us who acted, you know, unfaithfully. It was not him. He was acting faithfully. And so you just gain a much bigger picture of who your God really is. I mean, especially when you get into the minor prophets. I love this that, you know, Exodus 34 6 and 7. Um, is really just an Old Testament mantra of God's character. You know, that he, that he is a compassionate, he's a gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the consequences of the father's iniquity on the children and the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. That tension that we see, in this passage of mercy and judgment, is the same tension that is felt throughout, through especially throughout the minor prophets. We're 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 holding these this theological tension between these two aspects of who God is, right? And then the minor prophets really point us toward the need of a savior, even coming back. You know, um, even in Ezra and Nehemiah, and that, that 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 oh yeah, we're this is great, but it's not so great. It gets us ready that although we're back, we still needed someone to change our hearts. We needed a Savior. And it gets us ready for, there's just by the end of it, you're like, please send us something that works, you know, and, and you get there. And then here we come on the scene of Matthew. So, you know, I love, we, we, we gain so much by understanding the books and, and just for practical purposes, y'all understanding the historical books will help us understand the minor prophets so much better. Right. I mean, we talk about these three minor dates, you know, these three dates that most of the minor prophets are 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 around, right? The 722 B.C. when, you know, Israel went to exile and Judah went into exile in 586 B.C. And then the return of the Israelites into the land in 538, 539 B.C. So those three main dates really help us to understand the historical situation of the minor prophets. So there's various reasons why we should know it. And I could go on and on and on all day. But anyway. Yeah, I
1: mean, it's, I mean, you're just sitting here and I'm just getting really excited. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, because to just read through the story, you know, and as you talk about in Deuteronomy, I, I, I remember some of the same things being said by Joshua at the end of his life, right. that if you're faithful <laughs> to God, he's going to be faithful to you. But if you're not faithful to God, he's still going to be faithful. Mm-hmm. He's going to be faithful That's to right. the covenant he made with you. And his judgment is a means to your redemption. He's not going to mm-hmm. let exactly. sin have the final answer. And you do, like you have so many high points of people who mm-hmm. are faithful to God, but you see this refrain of, we need a savior.
0: Mm-hmm. That's we right. are
1: not, we don't have the power to to, to resist sin. Um, that's right. We need help. And over and over again, you see the stories upon stories upon stories of why the world is broken and why we needed Jesus. And it just,
2: that's right. you get
1: such a big vision for what God did. Um, right. And you miss it if you don't read through it. That,
2: yeah, That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right.
0: And something else you touched on that I actually realized, because I, um, Got to watch all of the Old and New Testament videos back to back <laughs> yes, in one week of time, and and while we were filming it, and then yeah. I watched them again. Yeah, yeah. But it was a refrain that I noticed um, from you, from Katie McCoy, from Jen, like, and then mm-hmm. it carried into the New Testament survey course as well with yours mm-hmm. lecture and Eunice's lecture, and just talking about how God is not random. Like none of this is Mm -hmm. like random. There is a plan that he has in place. And I think Katie McCoy actually just said, God doesn't do random. And I like wrote that down (laughs) because I just love it because it is such a a picture. And I think a lot of times we read these stories and if we do them like, if we read them like an encyclopedia where it's just like, we're opening this page and opening this page, it does seem very Mm -hmm. random. And -hmm. it can seem random as we're reading through cuz we're just like what in the world is going on here but yeah. then later it all comes it all comes together yeah. and even like the historical facts like you were talking about the histor the what was going on in history mm-hmm. with the people that all affects it as well and yeah. and what you got to talk about in the New Testament course which is our next episode so we won't go too <laughs> deep into it but but just talking about the intertestamental period yeah. and how Jesus came at just the right time yeah. with all these things in history lining up and so i think um That's just really cool and really comforting to remember, and because Mm -hmm. I feel like I know in my own life there have been many times where I felt like this is very random and I don't feel like there's a plan here, and that is stressing me out. And I, you're not following my plan, God, that I (laughs) laid out and made perfect sense to me. So, and I think that that's part of your story as well. That's right. Um, And Elizabeth, I know that's your part, part of your story too. Um, Mm -hmm. But. Okay, going back to the Old Testament and what you said about um, that we didn't need the Old Testament, maybe, or however you said <laughs> that in your in your lecture. Um, I've heard it expressed that we're like New Testament Christians or mm-hmm. I've actually heard people say, oh, the God of Old Testament, the Old Testament, he's kind of scary and mean. So we just like the God of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we like Jesus and he was very nice and mm-hmm. did miracles mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. things like that. And and we kind of separate them in our mind, mm-hmm. um, even though mm-hmm. we know the God is our, our God is the mm-hmm. same God all the way through. And like you said, there's the mercy and the justice. Um, mm-hmm. So. Why? What would you say to people who feel like God is different in the Old Testament? We're seeing a different God in the Old Testament. Or right. they're th- thinking, oh, we don't really need to study the Old Testament because we're New Testament Christians. We do mm-hmm. believe in Jesus. And so w- what would you say to those women who are listening that may be kind of confused about why we even need the Old Testament? Why the do we Old need Testament. to study that? Who God is there? Oh,
2: man. Um, <laughs> that's... To refute Uh-oh. your earlier self, yeah. Why is the Old Testament necessary <laughs> <laughs> to redeem? <me>. Yes, <laughs> um, and you know what's funny is, is I love the Old Testament. If I had a favorite Testament, but people are like, but Didi, what about Jesus? And I'm like, yes, I know, but like this point anyway. Yes, <laughs> I love the Old Testament, but first of all, I think you see, first of all, he's a holy God. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a very holy God, and you 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 grasp that very much so in the Old Testament, and his holiness is not going to change. And so he had to make a way for us to approach him in that way. And so what I see all throughout scripture is although our sin drove us away from this God that once dwelt with us, was walking around in the garden, he kept making a way for us to come near he did that. We see that in Leviticus, right? That's why I love Leviticus. He gave us sacrifices because it had to be there had to be blood. And he gave us priests so that we could come in. And he told us ways that would protect us from death. If you're like this, you need to stay outside the camp because my camp is holy or outside the temple. Um, you know, he gave us ways to protect us from death because he's so holy, but he gave us ways to enter back in as well mm-hmm. and he wanted to dwell with us he's a god that kept making a way for us to dwell with him ultimately coming to jesus christ right but like we, we see that i love i'm a big nerd when it comes to spatial language and what i mean by spatial language is you see, especially in Leviticus, which y'all, I love. That's my favorite book in the Bible. I know,
0: I'm a <laughs> I love person. that so much. Anyway,
2: <laughs> I love Leviticus is my favorite book because if you understand Leviticus, you understand so much of what God is doing. Um, first of all, just with the language of uh, you have to stay away. You can't come near, you can't come near. You see that a lot. You can't come near when, if you're not a whole person, if you're not perfect, like mm-hmm. if you have a, a defect or, you know, some kind of, you know, the things that Katie talked about. It could be like the skin disease or all those other fun things that we talk about in Leviticus 11 and 15. Um, all those things that keep us, that, that show our lack of wholeness, right? That show our lack of what was intended in the garden. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the times Leviticus really shows a recreation of Eden in a way. The The ideal where we were supposed to be in this whole state before God. And God is continually making this way, and especially when you get into Hebrews, you know, you see the spatial language. Once who were far away are now brought near, Mm -hmm. Um, and you see the language from even this the physical distance to coming near, and that was His ultimate goal. And I love that this God who wants us, He's a consuming fire, who's a jealous God, was all the time confronting His people, saying, "I don't want you just to to play religion." I want your whole self. I mean, he's constantly calling in the minor prophets out his people. You know, all the things that you're doing that you think are going to please me, but you are Lord of your life. I want you. I want all of you. That's the kind of God that we serve. And this is the God of the Old Testament who continually made a way for us to approach Him, but His character will not change. He had to send someone so that we could ultimately have that relationship with Him forever, that we were once who were far away, we are now brought near. And we don't have to keep doing sacrifices, going in and out. But if you miss, if you do not know the Old Testament, you miss the richness of what He's doing for you in the New Testament and what we have today. Many Jews call our faith a cheap grace because we don't really understand what jesus has done for us um if we understood what what the holiness of who god is in the old testament we really grasp what an approachable god what a god that he wants all of us in the new testament and these these are not contrary gods it's the same god acting throughout um and so uh, to really understand scripture we have got to know the old testament and and especially i love leviticus i love how even feminists will take <clears throat> leviticus for instance and say well look you know the women who have who have uh female children have to stay outside the camp longer 80 days versus when you have male children 40 days right Mm -hmm. and and if you just take that and you have a feminist perspective Mm -hmm. and that's your agenda you know you can make that argument however if you go all the way back to the garden which if you guys are a fan of biblical theology I know you are you have to start in the garden right Mm -hmm. and so if you go back to the garden it's almost a recreation of Eden right? Mm -hmm. The man was placed in there first, then the woman. So what is happening is almost like this recreation you see of Eden this whole time in Leviticus, right? Mm -hmm. For the purpose of approaching God, for that order that he instituted there. And so you miss so much by not understanding the Old Testament. I hope that answered your question.
0: It did, yes. I think that's, I think a big part of it is just missing out on that, the beauty of who God is and what why we needed Jesus. So much? Mm-hmm. It, it creates a longing It creates that longing or recreates that longing for us that mm-hmm. they felt yeah. viscerally in every single aspect of their lives. And it just helps us to understand that more now living on the other side of yeah. the cross um, right. because otherwise it, it can be a cheap grace if we don't mm-hmm. fully realize why it was necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I love that. Yeah.
2: And the fact that you see God having emotion, <laughs> mm-hmm. that that He get, he's hurt. I, I kind of like how in the Minor Prophets, I really picked up on that emotion of God yes. mm-hmm. that we can hurt. Like, it's not, you know, he's not this God up here, you know, that's <laughs> like yeah. it hurt. It grieves him, you know, and that this very much relational God. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just I love the picture of God through the Old Testament um, that, that we see, but he's not gonna change. So that's why he had to send his son. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so that we can meet him there. And that's that's the beauty of it. I
1: love it. When I think about books like Leviticus, which you love, <laughs> um, some <laughs> folks might say, Okay, Dee Dee, that's nice, but how does that have any bearing on my everyday life? And so when you think about studying theology, when you think about studying the old testament. And what fruit does that bear in the everyday moments of our life?
2: <clears throat> well, okay. First of all, I'm just going to be really practical at home when I'm at home with my kids, mm-hmm. um, which is my first realm because we all have influences, right? Um, and so my first realm, the most important realm for me is my my family. Um, when I hear, you know, my kids say something that's contrary to who God is, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, let's go back. Let's see. In Scripture, who this is the God that we serve. This is why it's important. Do y'all see how much God loves you? Look, like you would have been outside the camp right here, right now. Do you realize that? Like you know, like, like but no, you you're able to come in and to His presence, and for us to have this time. And you know, even like the priesthood of the believer, like how they had to go through the pre- just just understanding these concepts of simply just being able to come together as a family do a devotional. Like, I'm not trying to sound so spiritual all the time. Like we just sit down and have these great devotionals every night because sometimes they end in fighting. I'm just going to be real here. <laughs> <laughs> but just the fact that like we can come in, open the Bible, and 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 because of that priesthood of the believer and approach the Lord and those type aspects that the kids see is not, you know, I like to point those things out to them, that this is such a privilege that we do have. Um, and then understanding the God who is very, like I said, a very relational, approachable God um, when, you know, their judgments, you know, they, you know, when you're young and you're little and it's like black is black and white is white. Yeah. This is on this issue and this on issues. Mm-hmm. They're sinning and they're going to hell. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I, sad, what I find that that's not just people who are little. Yeah. I, I find that that has been more and more popular. Very true. Right. <laughs> and just And just showing how, yes, that's true, that's wrong, but look, look at the patience of God, you know, and the kindness of God here, and, and, and approaching this God of the Old Testament, and so, you know, it's been, it's been neat to use it first in my own home, and then within the church, um, you know, having this understanding, when people want to make an argument, let's say, out of the Old Testament, and they don't take it all the way through to the New Testament, and see how Christ has transformed that, um, that's one of the things I really like to encourage women in. Okay, mm-hmm. why are you gaining this as your principle? Have you have you traced this all the way through mm-hmm. to see how this really functions in the New Testament? Um and so really getting the big storyline of scripture instead of like you said, just opening something up and be like, Yep, well, God said to smite them. Let's kill them, let's take them <laughs> out there and kill them. You know what I mean? So, you know, to yeah. really get the big picture of, 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 of Jesus and the storyline of scripture, I think is crucial for our church churches, um, um, very much so right now to understand this God of the Bible and, and for whatever realm he's placing you in theologically, you know, uh, whether it be a classroom or, you know, whatever, whatever platform the Lord has given you, it's crucial that we understand the God of the Bible. Mm-hmm.
0: I love that. And I love that. It kind of goes back to your uh, answer to the first question of how you got into theology is because you have a responsibility. If you're going to be teaching, to know what you're teaching. And I think a Mm -hmm. lot of the women who do Lifeway Women Academy, they have felt that calling or or someone has pointed out their giftedness in teaching, um, or maybe they just want to, they don't want to teach. They just want to study it for themselves, but to even know what they're doing when they're reading passages of Scripture or when their pastor preaches on something so that they can kind of know the context. And I think that makes it all the more beautiful and all the more uh, poignant for people.
2: That's right. I'll tell you just from a local church perspective, Mm -hmm. which I love the local church, uh, you know, my husband's been a pastor, you know, <clears throat> for a long time. And now that we're here, but, but all that to say, I love church members mm-hmm. who humbly knew their stuff. Yes. Um, who give you a funny look when you say the old Testament isn't when needed. they give you a funny look. That's right. Yes. That's right. That's right. And and how they could help disciple yeah. other people within the church yeah. and how they could help in their maturity keep the unity because they knew the word of God and to understand that and so there's so much about having faithful church members who are equipped. Yes. Yes. Man, that makes a pastor so much better. I was gonna tell you. It it to have to have people who really understand is so crucial. For a church. And it's, and it's great to support your pastor too, yeah. because all of it is just, we're all called in some capacity. And so we are called to all be equipped. And, um, you know, <laughs> it's one of those things It's it, our goal is to hear well done. But if we don't, that good and faithful servant. But to get to that point, we have to know the word. You know what I mean? We have to know this God who we're acting faithfully with. You know what I'm saying? So it's crucial for everybody to be equipped, every woman to be equipped to so whatever degree that looks like in your life. Yeah. He's called us all to be equipped, but you know, I, and the goal, I, I love it. How some women I've heard it. <laughs> it cracks me up. So like sometimes people will be like, I have memorized all the new Testament wow. and, and then <laughs> though they're, they're slandering brothers and sisters, mm. they're acting hatefully. Mm. So the goal of our instruction yeah is love the goal of our instructions i mean we see it don't we in first timothy we've we've um, seen the passage in first timothy uh one five now the goal of our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart a good conscience and a sincere faith some have departed from these and turned aside to fruitless discussion they want to be teachers of the law although they don't understand what they are saying or what they are insisting on so we must know the word of God in a humble manner. It should be producing, the goal of our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart. So in all of our training and our discipleship, this is the goal. And we don't wanna be teachers of the law who are saying things that are, that are not in accord. And if it's producing anything in us other than this humility and this love, then I would question the nature of our own hearts, right? And so, um, so that, that is the goal. That is the goal of all this. This is the goal of our instruction, so... I
1: love what you said, You know this idea of what it means for us to be formed by the entirety of Scripture and how that would affect the local church. Uh, Because much of Scripture, even when I think about the Old Testament, what God is doing as He's bringing Israel out of Egypt, they've been in this land amongst these foreign idols. They may have forgotten the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and He's forming them um, with the law and what it means to be His people, what it means to love Him and to love others. And much of Scripture does that for us. It's forming us into the fullness of our Humanity, we see that in Jesus, what it truly means to be human. And so what would our churches look like if we had people who were shaped by the entirety of scripture to reflect the image of Christ, whether that's in counseling, Sunday school, you're a greeter, you're you're an usher, you are the connections team, you are just simply a really kind person for someone to sit next to you um, and worship with, and that we come alongside our pastor. I think sometimes we we overburden our pastor maybe because we rely on him to be the source to which we are formed instead of coming alongside and saying, you're pointing me to the source and that source is Jesus and that source is my text and what beautiful communities we would have of kingdom people if we were all shaped and formed by the scriptures that God left for that reason.
2: Mm-hmm. Man, <clears throat> you said that beautifully. I love that. The identity formation. You asked me what kind of churches we would have yeah. if people, I mean, <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That that I mean, you just said it. I mean, the we would take the kingdom of God, and it would just be by force. Mm-hmm. And if if people would simply, you know, get, sometimes getting off social media, sometimes doing the things that we have to do to be those people, it's going to require a sacrifice of yeah. us. We want we want just like in the minor prophets, we want a little of God here and the rest of all the other world yeah. too. Um, until that becomes our sole purpose. And like you said, our complete identity. And I like what you said. One of the things about teaching my kids is the set-apartness that you see, the holiness aspect. Um, That never changes. We are all still called to be set apart. And to be set apart is our mind is like a sponge in the Word. Like One thing that Jen says and one thing we talk about here in our seminary classes is read, -read, reread, reread, reread keep intention. We want an easy answer and we don't get an easy answer. We just want to shut the Bible, um, to grow in that way. Um, cause like you said, if we're being faithful, the goal is faithfulness, not Christian celebrity. And if our goal is faithfulness, we will take the world by, f- I mean, it just that, and, and, and we don't care who gets the glory that, that is the kind of that is the kind of church that, that is, oh my word. I mean, I would love to be a part. Can I, can I be a member there? So anyways, come on, say, come yeah, on. Yeah. Um, but I, I do see that happening, y'all. I do see that happening. I, I do see more and more in some of our churches where, um, that really is starting to be the goal where it is more faithfulness mm-hmm. and people are wanting to be equipped so that they can be faithful. And I think that's the whole goal of equipping ourselves so that we can be faithful to the path God has called us to.
0: And I love what you said too about, um, you know, this is the God who brought you out of Egypt. And, mm-hmm. and you talked mm-hmm. about the, and I think over and over and over again in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. it's like, remember, yes. remember this is, remember how I brought you out of Egypt. Remember how I am the God of your fathers. Mm-hmm. Remember this, remember this. And I think that's such a powerful um, spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. And that is how we form our identity, yeah. is remembering who God is and what he has done for us helps us to form our identity. That's and so, exactly and right. that's why we need to reread and reread and reread that's because right, yeah. we're not going to remember it on our own. Exactly, <laughs> um, And
2: that's why repetition is so important yes. in the word of God. Like, you know, it just, it's, it's so important for us today, you know, yes. not just a quick little, it's repetition. So exactly.
0: Okay, well, this is the March podcast. It's a very special episode of the March podcast, but it's still the March podcast. So we are asking everyone, how has studying theology marked you in your walk with Christ?
2: Studying theology. Well, <clears throat> I'm about to geek out a second. Okay. Um, so, just understanding what I'm, so I don't know if I should share what I'm writing on because I don't want someone to take it and write on it, but I am. I'm just kidding. No one's probably going to be like, oh, I want to write on this topic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, for the three people that read the dissertation. So, anyway, just one of the things I think is really neat to see for me is how the garden functions within the rest of the biblical storyline. And how um you know just this purity aspects. I love how purity and holiness and how it, the purity was a requirement to be in the Lord's presence. Right, it's a requirement to be in His presence, and just um how much the word touch. Like I told you about, um, this is my my geek out point. When Eve added the word touch to the commandment, and most commentators say that was the sin was that she added to the word of God. Well, I, yes, but she is implying something else. I feel like she's pointing to purity concerns. This fixing to start the narrative where Eve touched something. We begin to see, we can trace touch and the purity concerns and how that impacts sacred space and how that impacts closeness and proximity to God. Um, and how that, how that impacts death and the contagion that it spreads. And then you trace all that. You go through touching and, t- and you get to the bleeding woman in Mark who, this is the only time someone reaches out and touches him and how for the first time that touch doesn't spread contagion it does the opposite mm-hmm. it spreads holiness mm-hmm. and um, you begin to see you know when it when a temple or a tabernacle could be contaminated and spread death he was not contaminated mm-hmm. he could not be contaminated his holiness exuded and it was a contagion of holiness and just to see the power of God just to see his his power and who he is, he does not change. And that for me right now is so comforting to see that he does not change, but that he made a way for me to approach him and made me pure so I could be in his presence. Understanding the, the, the I mean, I'm just barely diving in here to what, where he is, but it just, it's it's amazing to see the nearness and the farness of how far I was and the nearness of how he's continually pursuing and how he's continually saying, Didi, do not be like what I'm talking about in the Minor Prophets. You know, don't play a game with me. I'm not into games. You know, I am into the real deal. And studying this God has made me want to be more genuine and more Christ-like to get over myself, to take up my cross daily and to follow him and to realize the abundancy that He's called us to that requires both joy and suffering um, is is the kind of God that I serve, and I'm forever marked by this God.
0: I love that. I love... I love when people geek out. That's like what <laughs> Life of the Women Academy is all about. But it's so fun to see how God uses these subjects that are often like one word in Scripture or one little sentence, and shows us so much about Himself. And what a cool and beautiful thing it is that He has given us the Word um, mm-hmm. in in our own language. Like we have had it translated, but it's in our language and we can study it and we can read it and we can learn from it. Um, and so I'm just really excited for women to get to hear from you in the Old Testament survey course um, and hear from our other teachers because um, you didn't get to teach on Leviticus for the survey course, but Katie McCoy did and <laughs> she does sure a she great job. It. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and it's just to trace this God and that we serve and we love and throughout all of the books and so we hope you listeners will sign up for um, the old testament survey course with lifeway women academy and thank you so much for being with us uh, this week and thank you elizabeth and thank you Dee, for being on thank with you. me and uh, getting to geek out a little bit about <laughs> our wonderful great god so yeah, thank you that's right mm-hmm. thanks so much for listening
1: if you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Miss Liz and at Ed Hyman. Use the hashtag MarkedPodcast to connect with us.
0: You can also find LifeWay Women on all social media channels at LifeWay Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at LifeWayWomen.com slash podcast. And you can learn more about LifeWay Women Academy at LifeWay.com slash academy.
1: If you love the show, leave us an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to connect with us.
0: See you next time.